It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hi, this is Andy. I have a special offer for loyal listeners of Accelerate. It's a no-obligation, free trial of my zero-time selling interactive online training. Now, I've worked with thousands of sales reps to teach them how to use my zero-time selling to boost their productivity and transform the results. And so if you want to learn the same proven strategies to help you open more doors, have more effective sales conversations with prospects, and close more orders, then my zero-time selling interactive training system is a fit for you. It's incredibly simple to start. Just take out your smartphone and text the word TRUST, that's T-R-U-S-T, to 96000. Now, do you have your phone ready? Send a text to 96000. That's a nine and a six followed by three zeros. Now, enter the single word message TRUST and hit send, and you hear right back from me with instructions on how to sign up for your free trial on my zero-time selling interactive training. I look forward to seeing you there. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate Today, Frontline Friday with my usual guest, Bridget Gleason. Bridget, how are you doing? I'm doing great today. Andy, how are you? Good, good. Every day is a good day. Every day is a good day. That's, <laughs> someone sent me uh, a book, uh, Andy, I got it in the mail last uh, yesterday. It was a woman who used to work for me. Her mother sent it to me. And the title of the book is Wear Gratitude Like a Sweater. I just think that's such a great, yeah. that's such a great uh, adage. So in the spirit of your comment this morning, yes, g- grateful. Let's, every day is a great day. Yeah, grateful I'm alive to experience it, yes. That's right. Yeah, I mean, geez, if we were living 100 years ago. We had been past our life expectancy by now. So, uh, yeah, no, this is this is great. Yeah, I've, you have to, I've got so many things I'm looking forward to do, right? I mean, it's like you, I think you've got a lot of things as well. I mean, I've, in addition to, you know, continuing to build my business, you know, I got lots of things, you know, out training to compete in events and so on. So lots of things to look forward to. I think it's important to have those in your life. I agree. All right. So today, talking about looking forward, we're going to talk about sales planning. And because here we are, beginning of a new sales year. So I guess here's a question because it always sort of strikes me is when I ask this question of people is is I ask them do you know do you do a formal written sales plan every year or multiple times a year and the vast majority of people say no so I guess the question is what's your sales planning look like the vast majority of people say no yeah for a written detailed sales plan <gasps> wow wow that surprises me. I'll, and I'll I'll tell you what we do we do here and the timing the timing is good we're we're a month off I think as I've mentioned to you before so at Sumo Logic mm-hmm. our our fiscal year ends end of January instead of end of December but to give you an example of what we do here um, I took my managers my sales managers to just a two day offsite uh, a couple of weeks ago to start planning for next year. And we talked about things that were both strategic as well as tactical. Um, 
so we we started that planning process and got very granular, very specific. What are the standards of performance? What are we expecting? What does that look like? So that's what I did with my 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 own team, and we've got the executive team has an offsite uh, next week. Mm-hmm. Read the offsite next week. And there we're going to go through, it's our strategic planning offsite and planning for next year. And each department has to present very specifically what, what sort of their plan is uh, for achieving FY17 goals. So let's, let's break it down. So when you're in that meeting with your managers, do you, are you coming up with a top-down top plan? Or when you do sales planning, you're saying, look, you know, here's sort of a number I mean, does that number originate at corporate that's given to you and then you, you know, bestow it on everybody and like, hey, let's, how do we allocate that out to the people? And then that breaks down to an activity level or how do you approach that? So are you asking, Andy, is it sort of a a top down or bottom up? Yeah. Yes. Well, it's a, it's a top down. I mean, it starts with, it starts with the number. Here's, here's the revenue number that has been agreed upon I mean, partly by the board, the executive team, what do we think we can do? So we, we look at that number. Then we go to finance who says, all right, given that number, what's the resource allocation in order for us to achieve that number in terms of headcount and budget and other things and per department? Then I take that and I say, okay, here's the reality of what we need to achieve and the resources with which we have to achieve it. Let's break this down into a plan on how we're going to do that. Okay. So then let's take it and then sort of tip it upside down a little bit. So you've got the bottom of your your structure, the bottom of the pyramid, if you will, is you have your sales development reps, let's say. Do you ask them to come up with a plan for what they're doing or are they just giving an activity level and this is what you need to do? This is your you know standard of operation, as you talked about. How do they get involved with the planning process? And you're asking about SDRs specifically. So yeah. how is an yeah. SDR... Do they have any control over their plan for what they're going to do you know, in fiscal 2017? Andy, I'm going to give you an honest answer. I don't know if it's a good answer. You're really making me think about this. No. No. And should I? I, I mean, I'd love to hear... This is... Right now... No, like I, I don't include them in that. Their manager, I definitely do. Sure, but I don't include them. I'd love to, he- I, I, I'd love to widen my horizons on how to think about this. Well, so I've asked the question for the motivation is you know you want people to have ownership right over over what they're doing and the sense of ownership and hey this is not just something that was told I had to do but I've got some stake in achieving this other than just you know continued employment so yeah, i was just wondering if there are aspects of a job because you know sdr it's pretty cut and dry right i mean we're asking people to make a certain number of calls and set up a certain number of demonstrations or appointments or however you, you measure that but aren't there elements that they have some control over that they should uh, be held accountable for you know maybe it's personal development maybe it's uh, you know skill development or i don't know I, that's why i was asking if you do anything in that regard Okay, so I, there's probably yes, but I'm not doing it directly. So I think a better answer to the question is this is something that I would expect 
that the manager would do with the SDR, so that the SDR manager would do with the SDR team. Mm -hmm. And for me, that falls under the category of really just professional development. And as you said, Andy, everybody wants to feel that they've got some stake and some ownership around what their day-to-day looks like. So what I encourage my managers to do, not just with strategic planning, but this is a good, this is a, since we're talking about that and planning for the following year, mm-hmm. is he's going to go to them and say, hey, guys, here's what, here's what we're being asked to do. What's, how, what's the best way that we can think about doing this? How can we be more effective? How can I help you be more effective? So I think it probably, it, it, it flows down that way. But I'll, I'll be perfectly candid. I don't know that I'm doing a good job in that regard in terms of sort of pushing the envelope on making sure that at that level that they feel a sense of ownership that flows all the way up, flows all the way up to the top. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's, that's an area of improvement for me that you're, I'm, I'm taking notes as I'm talking. <laughs> I'm doing your performance review today. You didn't I know. Thank you. Fine. <laughs> but... <laughs> I can always use, I'm, I'm always open for more input. So that's great. Keep, keep asking. One of the things, Andy, that I love about these conversations that we have is it does challenge my way of thinking and doing things. And I think as a, as a leader, it's what we all we always should be doing. I, I need to make sure that I don't just surround myself with people who do it the way that I do it or think about it. And so keep asking questions. All right. Well, I'm going to start charging you for these therapy sessions. I so. know. I know. As you should. As you should. <laughs> Send you a bill here shortly. Right. So let's take it up one level then from SDRs. Then you have your account execs. Um how do you treat them? Same, is that handle sort of similar to the SDRs? See, because I, I, the reason I ask is, is even when numbers are bestowed from the top down, as, as I've in my business in the past and companies I've run is that run Salesforce, excuse me, is, is yeah, there's always a number that comes down from the top, but I always want to make the team feel like they contributed sort of to sort of a bottoms up build to that number, right? So they had that that ownership. So whether it's an SDR or account exec or or what have you. Um, is that one of the understand, you know, what levels of activity needed to be in place in order to generate the outcomes that they need to have? Yeah. And, and I'll, I mean, I have not been in a situation where the account executives or the SDRs have been able to, uh, bottoms up dictate what let's say a revenue number will be or what an expectation will be. So All right, yeah, I agree on that. I mean, said the number, as I said, the number always comes from the top, but you yeah, also want yeah. them to feel like they're building up to, or at least I did to feel like they're building up. Cause again, they had that sense of ownership, but also that they were, what I thought was always essential is that they're unambiguously clear to them exactly what they need to be doing to be successful. So I think those are two different questions. Mm-hmm. Um, we we put into place, and this is recent, uh, these standards of performance, and we have it all where you can see it every single day, where what is expected of you, mm-hmm. how you're doing against that expectation, red, yellow, green, and how you stack up against your peers. So it's very clear, and it's down to an activity level. 
what's required. Excellent. So we, we definitely we definitely have that. But in and, terms of and, your, and and just your your SDRs and your account execs, do they come in just like you do every morning? They're going to look at their dashboard. One can only hope. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my expectation. Okay. You know, Andy, I had a I had a an interesting meeting with two of my managers uh, earlier this week, and they said to me, Bridget, and and. I'll tell you, Andy, we are just implementing the standards of performance sure. and getting the visibility and that sort of thing. And they said, Bridget, we've been, we've, we've somewhat prided ourselves on being a little hands-off managers and letting our teams, you know, the account executives have, have a degree of control over what they're doing in their activities. And they said, but now I'm looking at this dashboard and they're not doing them. And and they were read, They were going to have a meeting in half an hour to really crack the whip, <laughs> of the team. Right. And I encouraged them to message something different to the team. And what I encouraged them to do and to message was the the ownership for these activities and the standards of performance is really on the rep. And it's not the manager's job, nor should they step into the role of being a micromanager and sort of the parent. Make sure you do your discovery calls today. That's not their job. That that's the rep's job to be self-motivated, to be disciplined, to be to do what's expected to them, to uphold these this level of performance that's required, and to let them know that it's it's career, this is an opportunity for reps to learn how to self-manage. And it's career limiting if they don't learn how to do that. It, and it won't work at Sumo Logic. Mm -hmm. But instead of saying, cracking the whip and saying, I'm gonna watch how many discovery calls, giving them the tools to say, hey, listen, we looked at the data. This is what we see is required to be successful at Sumo Logic in terms of activity. And you've got visibility into it. I encourage the rep needs to be looking at those things daily and then coming to the manager and the manager going to them and saying, hey, looks like there's a piece here that you're struggling with. How can I be helpful? So do you think that, and that's a great point, by the way, and again, for people who are listening to it, it's yeah, a great temptation always to want to crack the whip when things aren't happening the way you want. But the data, so given that so much sort of transparency in the data available to the reps today to say, okay, am I achieving what I'm supposed to achieve on a daily basis? And how do I stack up compared to my peers? It seems like that'd be pretty powerful, powerful motivator. And if it's not, then perhaps that speaks something about the individual. I think it absolutely speaks about the individual, but we, I, I think the key is being able being sure and clear about what the expectations are and giving them visibility that they know people want to know Andy on a daily basis where do i stand how am i doing and i think we again we have the tools and the data to be able to give that to them so that they always know where they stand i want my team to feel 100% comfortable that they are safe and secure here i don't want them to worry about uh, I don't want them to worry about their job. I don't want them to worry about how they're doing at Sumo. I don't want there, there to be any question in their mind. I want them to always know 
based on here's the standard and here's where you stack up, ABC, and C's aren't tolerated. Right. Right. Absolutely. So, and why would I want to ask a question? We'll take this one question, then we'll, we'll take a short break after that. Is So, you know, you put together your plan, you're two months in, you've got some people that are C's, let's say. You know, what, you don't have tolerance for it, but how much tolerance do you have? I mean, how, how do you decide, because, you know, you've got a plan to make, how do you decide when you need to make that change? Because you said you want to make people feel safe and secure, which I agree on percent. You don't want people operating like they have the sword of Damocles hanging over the back of their neck at all times. But they still need to feel this urgency to perform without it turning into a pressure cooker. Well, I think that they, they're going to see pretty quickly. If, if they continually get see that they're getting C's, something's not working. And it's not working for them. And it's not working for the company. And again, there's, there are no surprises when they get that feedback every day and can see that feedback. And these are the discussions that managers are having with them on a weekly basis around how they're doing. And if a manager can't coach them up to a B and then up to an A, then it's not working. And I think it makes the discussion easier to have because it's not a surprise. And so when I say I want people to feel safe, I, I don't mean everybody should feel warm and cuddly and okay and no matter what, you know, you're always welcome here. But I think they need to know that if it's not working here, that I will work with them to help them find a place where it works it works better for them. And if it's if they're getting C's, they're not feeling good about it either. Yeah. Well I think one of the one of the great things about um having all this data available that you've talked about compared to like when you and I were starting our sales careers, you, you didn't have this visibility into, managers certainly didn't have visibility into the process the same way you do today. And Correct. yeah, you know, people, you, know, you could sort of tell intuitively whether people were putting the work in that they need to put in in order to succeed. But as you said, now it's, it's fairly cut and dry. You've got the data. You definitely have the data, and and people can see where they're struggling. Exactly, and people can see where they're struggling much earlier than, and it's not a matter of, it's much harder, I think, for them to sort of fool themselves into thinking they're doing the work, as it was in the past, or it's kind of easy, right? Now it's yeah, and, now it's not easy to do that, right? And especially if you've identified these are the things that you need to be doing and progress along this continuum, and also when you see that your peers. They are able to do it. So you so you don't have the excuse of saying nobody can do it. Nobody's doing it. Every you you actually have data to say, no, actually, two-thirds of the two-thirds of the members of the team are doing it. You're just not in that two-thirds. They've got context. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, interesting question without digressing too much is is do you see that it's, can you sort of tell at the beginning of a year, if you had to make a projection and say, okay, I don't think these people are going to make it. I mean, do you sort of know that? You know, because I'm not hands-on managing the reps, I don't. Ask me in a quarter when I now have this data. I'll be able to, I'm sure I'll be able to see over time. You know what? There's no progression here. 
It's not happening. It's not moving. This person is not going to make it. I can sometimes tell by an attitude, but I'm not, I'm not as close to it, Andy, because I'm not frontline managing. My managers, though, will tell me th- that they often, they can, they can predict it. I, I caution against that a bit because I want to, I want to give people the opportunity uh, to perform without any sort of bias that I might have that could be unwarranted. Well, that's what really was sort of behind the question is, you know, again, back before all this data became available, which was not that long ago, right? So let's say prior to the last five, 10 years, is you didn't have as much visibility for the most part into the the process. So when you're evaluating salespeople, whether they were people that are going to stay on the team or not, you know, they tend to be sort of less granular, right? You sort of took it in sort of quarterly or annual type bites that you're evaluating them. But now you've got all this data, right? And you can see that the underlying activity really quickly isn't happening. You know, are, you able, are you able to correct more quickly? You can you correct be- much more quickly. You can correct much more quickly because you can identify the problem. You know, it's funny. At Sumo Logic, one of the things we do is we help companies through data, log, log files, to improve, we call it their MTTI, their mean time to identify a problem mm-hmm. and to improve their mean time to repair a problem. Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's what data allows you to do. So what these dashboards allow me to do is reduce the mean time to identify what a problem is right. and then also reduce the mean time to repair. I wanted to bring up one last point, though, when you had asked, or, or just along the discussion, do the reps have input regarding the number? Right. And we had, as I said, the, the managers, we had the strategic planning offsite just for my managers, and I invited someone from... Uh, finance, one of the directors of finance to join. And the reason I invited her was twofold. One, I wanted her to have a really good view of sales and what this transactional machine looks like as she's rolling up to the to, to the financial plan mm-hmm. each year. So I wanted her to have an understanding. I wanted my team to have an understanding of what are the dollars and cents behind building a SaaS business. But one of the things that was probably helpful just in terms of informing the number, my team saw that she had a good sense of the numbers and how the team was performing. And she gave them the confidence that they were going to give a number, assign a number to the sales team that was based on some data. Because salespeople, year after year, Andy, I don't know if it's been your experience, but any company I've been to, salespeople have said, where did they get that quota? They just picked that number out of the air. What was it made? Every year. Every year. And she walked them through how they break it down and think about it, how they go from number to budgeting to headcount. And that will trickle down to the team that there's this two-way street. She's learning about what we're doing through data, and that's informing the numbers. So it, it's, it's, we're, I'm trying to work with as many of these different departments as I can, marketing and finance and engineering and product, that we've got a good sort of circle of trust and information so that we make good decisions sort of as a, as a, as a, a more holistic team and a company. Well, and again, uh, transparent 
transparency is sort of the, the operative word, right? I mean, she's sort of opened the kimono in terms of, hey, here's the logic of how we are coming up with these numbers. And in my experience, yeah, sales teams love that, right? I mean, it's not Absolutely. just, we, we just didn't pick a number out of the air. Here's a number. Here's the logic behind it. You know, you may not always agree 100% with the logic, but there is logic. There is a plan. And I think that gives a lot of, um, I wouldn't say comfort, but, you know, some comfort to the sales team to say, okay, yeah, we're, we're working on something really reasonable and rational here. As with so many things, Andy, I, I, I really agree with your point. As with so many things, a lot of the conflict is caused by misunderstanding. And just when people feel heard and they understand the mechanics, things sort of open up and that transparency, as you say, is is really critical if you're going to have a, especially a fast growing company that is functional. Yeah, 100% agree. Well, good. Well, I know you've got to run off and go make a sales call. Exactly. Well, Andy, as always. Yeah, it's been fun. So I appreciate everybody joining us today. This has been another episode of Frontline Friday with me, Andy Paul, and Bridget Gleason. Bridget Gleason. And we'll talk to you all next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a 1,000 companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today.